All right. The book of Acts, just very briefly, book of Acts, chapter 9. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say briefly. I'm not going to lie. Just turn to the book of Acts. Acts 9.36. And um, verse 36, at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and she died. And they washed her and they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, employing him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all of the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out, knelt down and prayed and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a. Tanner. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of the Word tonight. And the church said, Amen. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want to explore this passage. And we're going to look at a woman named Dorcas. A woman named Dorcas. This scripture that's before us tonight is a scripture I'm sure that you've heard of before. It is one of these stories that is power-packed with meaning. It's a story tonight that is relevant to you and I but it's a story that takes place in actual time in history. It took place over 2,000 years ago. It's an actual story that really did occur. And what's interesting to me in the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, you have Acts chapter number 1. The writer who is Luke is preparing his people for the coming of the Spirit. He said the Spirit's going to come, and you need to wait for Him. Go to the upper room and wait for 10 days. You see preparation. And then the author, Luke, explains the purpose of the Spirit. He says, you're going to be a witness unto me, unto all of Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then, chapter 2, there is the presence of the Holy Spirit shows up. And then Peter begins to preach. You have proclamation of the Word of God. And then not only do you have proclamation of the Word of God, then Acts chapter 2, verse 40, you have the product, which is the church. And then Acts chapter 3, you have the power of the Spirit manifested throughout the book. Do you see the sequence of events? You have preparation. You have purpose. You have presence. You have proclamation. You have product. And then you have power. I've said those things to you before. But I want to remind you that from the Acts chapter 3, this starts a new phase in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3 starts the power of the Holy Spirit in demonstration. So you see what's happening here. You see, you see, he prepares his people for the Holy Spirit. He explains the purpose of the Holy Spirit. 
Now the presence of the Spirit shows up in Acts chapter 2. The proclamation of the Word is preached by Peter. And not only is the proclamation of the Word, but you have the product of the Holy Spirit, which is the church. And then Acts chapter 3, from chapter 3 on, you have the power of the Spirit being made manifested in the early church. And the power of the Spirit is being made manifested in chapter 9 with the story named Dorcas. The word Dorcas also means Tabitha. Tabitha. And the Bible says this story happens in Joppa. And Joppa is about 35 miles from Jerusalem. Okay, And Joppa was a popular city. It was a city, it was a seaport city. So there was a lot of fishing going on. And Joppa was known for their false gods, the god of the sea, because it was near, it was near, a, uh, it was near a, uh, a sea, and so they were caught up in their pagan worship in Joppa. But in the midst of paganism, God demonstrates his power. Hallelujah. I said in the midst of paganism, God demonstrates his power. And right here, you see the power of God being made manifest. And now I want you to notice something that the Bible says that in those days, look at verse number 37, she became sick and she died and they washed her body and they laid it in an upper room. And then the Bible says in verse number 38, they, the Peter, do I see the glory of God descending upon us? I just thought, Lord, the glory is showing up on Sunday night. <laughs> Somebody say Amen. Oh, see, that made me lose my train of thought tonight. So, they, <laughs> they, uh, they washed her body, laid it in the upper room, and the Bible says that they sent, in 38, and, they, and since Lydia was there at Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there, and they sent two men to him, employing him not to depart, but to come to them. Then Peter arose and went to them, and when he came, they brought him to the upper room, and the widow stood there weeping, showing the tunics of her garments, which Dorcas had made while she was living. The very first thing I want you to see here, now listen, this woman is a devout believer, obviously. It's assumed she was a believer. And this woman made tunics, or in other words, she made garments. She made clothing for people. And the Bible says that the disciples were so upset over her death, that when Peter got there, they showed Peter her garments in which she made. They showed her, him the garments which she made. Now listen to this. The very first thing I want you to see is that this woman named Dorcas, which is translated Tabitha, this woman preached with her fingers more than she preached with her tongue. You see that? She preached more with her fingers than she ever preached with her tongue. She, her faith was active to the point that she made things and gave it to the people of the city. The Bible says that she was full of charitable deeds, which she did for the people. She was full of good works, and her good works, she left something behind. She preached more with her fingers than she ever preached with her mouth. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? Are you preaching more with your mouth than you are with your fingers? Are you participating in the service of the Lord? Or is the only sermon that the world ever sees is what you say with your mouth? This woman 
did something with her life. This woman did something with her fingers. She understood that the gospel is not only to be preached with your mouth, but the gospel is to be preached with your life. St. Augusta said to preach Christ every day, but when necessary, use words. She preached Christ, but she preached it in a different way. She preached it through service. My goodness, if the church could ever get that revelation that you can do more good through acts of service than you can ever by opening your mouth. You can make a difference through your acts of service than you can with your mouth. You see, there's a lot of talk going on, but there's not a lot of walk. And we have talked so much that people don't believe us any longer. Our words have become cheap. Our words are just a byword any longer. But this woman understood something that, listen to me, church, real faith is activated through your actions. Real faith is not something that we just say that we believe. Real faith is not something that we give adherence to or, or something that we quote or something that we confess. Real faith is demonstrated in our action. Faith without works is dead. There must be some kind of action demonstrated because of the faith that you have. This woman understood something, that if my faith is real, and if my faith has really changed my life, then it's going to be active through my actions. And this woman preached more with her fingers than she ever preached with her mouth. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? Are you preaching more with your service? Are you preaching more with your acts of service than you are with your mouth? How much talking are you doing compared to how much acting are you doing? It's amazing in the church we want to say, and I'm not pinpointing this church in general, it's amazing how we want to pinpoint everything wrong with the church, but yet we don't want to be the solution to the problem. We don't want to provide action to solve the problem. We want to say what's wrong, but we don't want to provide the solution because people don't want to work. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to work. It's, it puts effort into working. But this woman preached more with her fingers than she ever did with her mouth. And did you notice that when she died and they laid her body in the upper room and the widows are crying and Peter gets there, did you notice that the very first thing that the widows did and the disciples did, they presented Peter with her tunics and her garments. In other words, her good works spoke of her beyond the grave. Her good works spoke of her beyond the grave. She left a legacy. She left something behind. Her good works spoke of her character. Ladies and gentlemen, not only, not only should your fingers preach more than your mouth, but your good works should speak of your character. And this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds and she left behind tunics and garments for the community because her very work spoke of her character. Her absence was more noticed because of her good works spoke on her behalf. Her absence was noticed because her good works spoke for her. My goodness. What a woman. What a woman to demonstrate to you and I tonight that you should preach more with your service than you should preach with your mouth. What a woman tonight to demonstrate to us that real faith is activated through our actions. 
What a woman tonight to demonstrate to us that your good work should speak of your character even when you're not present. Have you ever met somebody that you couldn't wait to be out of their presence? And here is a woman who left something behind that spoke of her character. She left those tunics. She left those garments. You see, this story teaches us that all of us can make a contribution to ministry. All of us can do something. You see, Tabitha made garments. She made tunics. And that may not be, may, may not speak, you may not think that's important, but you understand the historical context here. Most theologians render that Tabitha probably made these garments for children. If that's true, and their assumption is right, she was touching the hand of Jesus. Jesus said, if you do harm to my children, to the least of these, you do harm. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, you, you do what? You do it for me. Tabitha was being Jesus to this community. You see, what about it, my friend? Tabitha, Dorcas, and it's interesting that they later in the upper room, they washed her body, Peter gets there, and the very first thing that Peter does, it's interesting, he gets up there and everybody's crying and everybody's wailing and the widows are crying and the disciples are crying and the very first thing that Peter does is he has everybody to leave the room. Because I, I could just imagine Peter, Peter getting aggravated, I can't think here, I'm, I need to pray and, and yet everybody around me is crying and bawling and wailing over this. Sometimes this story teaches us that you need to get alone with God in order to see the supernatural happen. Peter got alone. He, he, he told everybody, leave the room. Leave, just leave the room so I can pray for her. And sometimes this story teaches us that the greatest, the greatest thing that you and I could do is just get alone with God so God can make Himself manifested in your life and through other people's lives. He had everybody to leave. And then he, what does he do? He gets down. And Peter, verse number 40, Peter put them all out. He knelt down and he began to pray, turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and she saw Peter and she sat right up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called all the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. That, that's awesome. Peter being empowered by the Spirit, told her to get up off the bed and arise, Tabitha. And the Bible says she opened her eyes. And then the Bible says, verse number 41, and he gave her his hand. You see, this story teaches us that even though that God does the super, you've got to do the natural. There's a part for you to play and Peter extended his hand to her, and they made contact, and he lifted her up off of the bed. It was God's power that caused her to come alive, but it was Peter's strength that caused her to get up off of the bed. And sometimes we want to rely upon God's power to do it all. But ladies and gentlemen, God's power is not going to do it all. You've got to be Peter's arm, and you've got to help people get up off of the bed. You hear me? lifted her off of the bed. 
grabbed her hand. <laughs> That's what we call supernatural. We want the super to do everything, but we forget there's a natural part to it. He stretched his hand there. He gave her his hand and lifted her up. That's what we're called to do as a church, aren't we? We're called to lift people up. If you're always going to wait for God to do it, and you're praying that God delivers and God saves and God heals, and that's good and great and, and fine that we pray that, but don't forget that you have a part to play in this and you've got to help lift people up. What does this story teach us? It teaches us that Dorcas preached more with her service than she ever preached with her mouth. It teaches us that Dorcas was full of good works and charitable deeds. In other words, her good works spoke of her character. She left something behind. It teaches us that sometimes in order for God to make Himself known to you, you've got to get alone by yourself. See, He got alone with a dead body. And sometimes in your life, you've got to get alone with the dead things of your life. You've got to look at your dead marriage. You've got to look at your dead finances. You've got to look at your dead relationships. You've got to look at those things that died in your life. And you've got to realize, in order for those things to be resurrected in your life, you can't have everybody in the room crying and bawling and giving you advice. Sometimes you just got to get alone with the dead thing, and you've got to take care of it between you and God, and so the dead thing can respond. So, it teaches us that you've got to preach more with your service than you do with your mouth. It teaches us that her good works spoke of her character. It teaches us her absence was more noticed because of what she did. It teaches us that you've got to get alone sometimes and you've got to deal with the dead things of your life. It teaches us that you've got a part to play in God's miraculous power. You've got to lift people up. The Bible says in, in closing tonight, verse 42, and it became well known throughout Joppa and many believed on the Lord. Because that is the purpose of everything that we do. What is the purpose of our good works? What is the purpose of our charitable deeds? What's the purpose of our faith? What is the purpose of lifting people up? It's that everyone should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. We are called to be salt and light in a dying world. We're called to part, to participate in this missionary God. You and I are missionaries in a foreign land preaching a gospel. Good news to the world. See? Tabitha, verse number 36, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. Could it be said of you? Could it be said of you that you are full of good works? Or is it said of you you're full of good words? You do a lot of talking. You do charitable deeds sometimes. You're not full of them. Because you don't have time to do a bunch of good deeds. We're too busy. This woman was full of good deeds. 
This was not something she did once a week. This was her lifestyle. This was her character. She preached with her life. You see, when you get to that level where you're totally consecrated and radical for the Lord, you don't have to try to be good. You will be good. You don't have to try to do good works. You will do good works. You don't have to try to go to church. It's just a part of you. And this was a part of this woman's life. You know, she was full of good works. She was full of good charitable deeds, but yet this woman died. She was sick. Never, never, never change your theology because of your experience. And sometimes we change what we believe, we change our theology because of our experience. We would quickly judge the story and say, this woman, this woman didn't have enough faith. Why did she die? She was, good of, she was full of good works and charitable deeds. Why, why did she get sick? Why did she suffer? Well, that's what the modern church says. But let me remind you that people who are good, good and people who are, who are honorable and people who serve the Lord... Even those people get sick, and yes, sometimes they even die. Reminds me of Sister Judy, don't it? Judy Van Winkle. She was full of good works. She was full of charitable deeds. And yet, our sister, we've prayed for Judy often. And yet, even good people who are full of good works sometimes is taken early. We don't understand everything about the providence of God. But we do understand that God has everything under control and He knows exactly what He is doing. Even good people, even charitable people, sometimes get sick. Sometimes they even die. But in this case, the Lord used this particular miracle to bring people to Christ at the birth of the early church. So, what can you do as a result of what I've preached tonight? You can go home this evening and think about how much preaching you're doing. Are you preaching more with your words? Are you preaching more with your service? And that's up to us to decide. May the Lord add the blessing to the preaching of the Word of God. And the church said, Amen.